Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. I'm excited to get into the Word. I'll go ahead and uh, all you guys that are new, you're thinking, oh my God, what did I get myself into? (laughs) Well, let me just tell you, we're just getting started, honestly. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, You know, I was praying about the service yesterday, and I really felt the Lord give me this command. Honestly, it was a, it was a conviction, um, because I want to do a little bit of teaching today before we take up our tithes and our offerings, because I want to tell you something, two things the Lord showed me. If, if you don't do it in faith, then you might as well not even do it at all. Amen. Honestly, and what does the Bible say in Romans ten seventeen? faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And Hosea 4, uh, verse 6, says it's for a lack of knowledge that my people perish. Um, and so I just want to share some things. I want to tell you about the tithe and the offering. Honestly, that we could spend eternity teaching a different facet of it. It's so deep when it goes into the laws of sowing and reaping what this Bible teaches. Uh, and I feel like, you know, usually I don't I don't really teach a whole lot on it because a lot of you that go to this church, you've sat under this, you, you've, you've heard the word, you know the word. But I also think it's good to just refresh ourselves and remind ourselves a little bit and, and because we can get in routine. And when you get in routine, can I tell you, you get in religion. What is religion? Religion is just doing something because that's what you're supposed to do. But there's no faith behind it. There's no heart behind it. There's no spirit behind it. There's no relationship behind it. Uh, so, I want to tell you two things that the Lord told me. Number one, and first, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew six twenty four. Matthew six twenty four. So, I tell you. Two things the Lord told me. Number one, if there was ever a time in history for the believer to have a revelation about prosperity, it's right now. I mean, I'm telling you, I felt it so clear in my spirit. The Lord just really smacked me with it. If there was ever a time in history that the body of Christ needed to have a firm foundation, revelation, understanding about the covenant promises that we have in regards to prospering on this earth, it is right now. That's number one. Uh, So let me show you this. And I'll tell you why. This is the scripture the Lord gave me. A lot of you are familiar with this, but this is Revelation 13, 16 through 17. Okay, this is talking about in the last days uh, when the person known as the Antichrist, and if you're not a Christian, you don't know this, the Bible teaches... Jesus, he came, but he's also coming back again. And the Bible predicted thousands of years ago, there would be a spirit, there would be a person, there would be this power that's raised, that rises up, that's the Antichrist. 
anti-anointing, a person with the devil, with, with the devil spirit that's going to come and, and, and there's going to be seven years of tribulation on the earth. A lot of you know that. But uh, here's a key of what that person, the Antichrist, is going to do. Revelation 13, 16 through 17. He required everyone, say everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And look at this. No one could buy or sell. Can you say buy or sell? Buy or sell. Anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. So basically what, what this tells us is the Antichrist, that spirit, that power, he's going to use money to manipulate people to do something. Guys, can I tell you, if you don't see that happening right now, the direction that even things are moving in, you know, what this looks like, Revelation 13, is a day is coming where they will say, hey, there's a mark that you have to be given, and you cannot go into the grocery store without this mark. There's a mark that has to be, that, that you must take, and you can't own and operate your own business unless you take this mark. Y'all see that? You can't engage in society unless you take this mark. And so I just felt so clearly in my spirit. He said, John, the, the church needs to have a firm foundation of understanding me as their source. The church has to move into a place where we are, we are not dependent upon the, the, the world and the government at all in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Amen. Because Amen. I want to tell you, here's just a, a key in life. You know, they say it about dogs, but have you ever heard the phrase, a dog won't bite the hand that feeds it? It's true. It's true. You know, you have businesses right now given incentives, and I know what you guys are already thinking. I don't think that the vaccine is the mark of the beast, but can I tell you something that, that is absolutely certain? There is a spirit that's behind it that's pushing everything in that direction. How can you read this that was written thousands of years ago that you're going to require everyone? Nobody would have ever thought in a million years that you could use that word in the United States of America. Require? How can you require anything in the United States of America? This is a land of freedom. We have rights. But you see this push. Do you guys see that? You see this push. He required everyone, small or great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And without this mark, no one could buy or sell anything without the mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. So the Lord told me the body of Christ needs to get a revelation of money, how it works, and gain independence from this world. Hallelujah. What the Lord really wants to do for each believer is bring us all to a place where our source doesn't come just from a man. Doesn't just come from, from a person that gives to you and says, I'm going to give to you and give to you. And if you don't do what I ask you to do, then I'm going to stop giving to you. And what do people do? Okay, they compromise. The Lord says, I want to bring us into a place of complete independence from that system. Where our provision is not just natural, it's supernatural. Can you say supernatural? You know, you know, people don't like talking about this because it offends people. But can I tell you, it doesn't offend people. Because people, I mean, why do you go to work? To be blessed, right? To live life. People don't have a problem living life. It's not people that it offends. It's a devil spirit that wants to keep people held captive that it offends and that it bothers. Are y'all with me still? 
So, the second thing that the Lord told me, He said, number one, if there is ever a time that the believer needs a revelation about prosperity, it's right now. The body of Christ needs to get a revelation of money, how it works, and how to gain independence from this world. Number two, as I was in there preparing, the Lord also spoke to me and said that we need to, as a church, we need to get the worship of mammon out of the church. What is mammon? You maybe never heard that term. Look at Matthew 6, 24. Look what Jesus said in verse 19 first, and then we'll read down. Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths cannot destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think that you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love another. Look at this. You cannot serve two masters. You will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Can you say money? Money. You cannot serve money and be and serve God at the same time. The Bible says you're going to serve one or the other, but you can't actually do both. And Christians have to be free from the bondage of money on this earth. Because I want to tell you, you know, a lot of people say, well, I serve the Lord. But, you you know, honestly, they don't because they're not led by the spirit. They're just led by their bank account. Well, I'll do this as long as I have the provision, as long as it's comfortable, as long as I keep things where I want them. And then all of a sudden, what if the Lord actually asks me to do something that compromises that security for a moment? That is actually the test that determines who you serve. So. We, we use the word money, but if you actually look at the, the original word that's used there, it's the word mammon. And it's deeper than just money. I don't know if you've ever heard the word mammon, but let me tell you what mammon is. Mammon, if you look this up, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to mammon. Say mammon. Mammon, mammon is actually a demonic spirit. You can look at the Greek word that's used here. Look into this. It's a demonic spirit of greed. Mammon is a demonic spirit of greed. What does it do? It's a a devotion. When people serve mammon, what does it look like? They are devoted to their wealth. Can I also tell you something? here's, Here's just an interesting statistic. And I'm honestly just telling you the truth. Because I have to speak what the Lord tells me. Amen? But did you know statistically... Only four out of every 100 Christians tithe. I'm not talking about this church. I'm saying nationally, statistically, only four out of every 100 Christians tithe. That's why the Lord's saying you've got to break this, this devotion to mammon out of the body of Christ. It's a devotion to lust. It's a devotion to wealth. It's the spirit that causes us to be stingy. It causes us to be greedy. Are y'all with me? Those are the two things the Lord told me. So now, let me just tell you this. 
So let's go back to the first word. The Lord said, if there was ever a time for the body of Christ to have a revelation of money and prosperity, it is this hour, it is this time. I need my people to gain independence from this world. I need my people to learn how to draw from me as their source. Because can I tell you, nobody can cut the hand of God off. Hallelujah. When you learn where your provision, it could come from a job. But you don't depend on that because you've learned how to tap into the supernatural where it's the hand of God that personally feeds you in your life, that personally feeds your family. You know, what does that look like in the scripture? It looks like the prophet Elijah. The Lord brought him by the brook carrot that says, and he led him to a place where he drank from a stream and he had no food. So what ended up taking place? If you know the Bible, it literally says the Lord sent ravens to deliver food to him personally. Every day. What did it look like? It looked like manna from heaven and the Israelites. I'm telling you, this is a lesson all throughout the Bible where God personally supplied the needs of his children. Look at the prophet Elijah. What happened when the brook dried up? He didn't sit there and freak out and, oh my gosh, I'm going to die now. What am I going to do? It says that the Lord literally led him to a new place of provision. This little well dried up, but because his life wasn't built on one little source, he was fed by the hand of God. The Lord led him immediately to a new place of provision. Led him to a little widow who he gave a word to. She did it in faith and they had bread and oil, and they were able to eat until the famine was completely over. Are y'all with me? So this is the type of supernatural the church has to tap into. So I'm going to give you a little key to this according to the Word. These are all things the Lord just told me to say, so I'm going to do it. The Lord teaches us the key to prosperity in His Word. So here's something I want you to see. I asked the Lord to help me, you know, because people get so confused. How is it that when we give, you know, so how God blesses me? I've heard that. Some people have some kind of general knowledge of that. But I asked the Lord, Lord, really show me how, how that works on a simplified scale. How does that really work? And he gave me this. It's very simple. You receive a reward when you bless God's kingdom. Here's a key that you can live, uh, that you can use for the rest of your life. You receive a reward when you bless God's kingdom. Amen. Let me show you some verses here. Matthew 10, 40-42. Look what he said. Anyone who receives me, I'm sorry, receives you, receives me. And anyone who receives me, receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. Hallelujah. If you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like this. Look at this. Look at this last line. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Jesus actually taught people as he was sending his disciples out. He said, guys, he's teaching them this. There's a lesson that they could learn how to how to channel it and tap into it for the rest of their lives. When you bless my kingdom, there is a reward for you. 
As his disciples were out and they were in the Middle East, y'all, in the hot desert, they didn't have cars, they didn't have air conditioners. He said, even if it's just a cup of cold water, anything that you take and it crosses over that barrier from darkness to light into the kingdom of light and you give to the kingdom, there is a reward that's reciprocated back to you for doing so. Are y'all with me? A lot of Christians don't even understand this. I'll prove it to you again. Mark 10, look at another place. Mark 10... 17 through 31. I'm not just going to tell you something and then leave it there and like, oh, take my word for it, you know. Let's look what the word says. <clears throat> says in verse 17, this is the rich young ruler. A lot of you may know this. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to, to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone and you must honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And he said, there is still one thing that you haven't done. He told him, go and sell your possessions and give. Say give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure. Say treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So, guys, I'm telling you, this is the same issue. Look what took place. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. So this guy's like, I'm a great guy. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm not going around and sleeping around. I'm not cussing anybody out. I'm doing pretty good. I serve the Lord. But Jesus said what I'm telling you this morning, but there's still an issue. What was it? It was the devotion to mammon, the devotion to money, the devotion to wealth, this greed that he had on the inside of them. Jesus wasn't being harsh. He literally said, look, what did he say? You cannot serve both. So he's like, if you don't learn how to conquer that, if you can't conquer that, it's not that I don't want you to follow me. It's that you can't follow me. Why couldn't he follow him? Because he would have never have went where Jesus told him to go. You know why? Because where Jesus would have told him to go was going to require faith, was going to require total dependency upon God. And if, you're, if, you're, if your God is your wealth, you'll never serve the Lord. Are y'all still with me? So look at this, verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for a rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them, but Jesus said, dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. If you have another translation, your translation might actually say, instead of a rich person, a person who trusts in their riches to enter the kingdom of God. Because can I tell you, there's actually a difference between a quote-unquote person that has blessing and a person who trusts in their riches. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with nothing... I'm sorry, but with God, everything is possible. Look at verse 28. Peter began to speak up and says, we've given up everything to follow you. Look at this. So Peter's watching this exchange take place. 
And he's saying, Jesus, you're telling this guy to sell everything you have and then to come and follow me. And right, the guy couldn't do it. And Peter's sitting there watching this whole thing. And he says, wait, hold on a second, Jesus. We actually did that. Right? When you called us, we left everything that we had and we came to follow you. And look what Jesus says. Where are we at? Verse 29. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house, say house. Is a house a spiritual blessing? No, but so, it, well, it's a physical thing. Everyone who's given up house, say house. Brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, property, say property. For my sake or for the good news, or you could say for the kingdom, will receive now, say now, in return, say in return, a hundred times as many houses, say houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property, along with persecution, and in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. What was Jesus simply trying to teach his people? There is a reward for you when you bless my kingdom. Are y'all with me still? Are y'all getting this? Look what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. Give and you shall receive. But not only will you receive, he said your gift will return to you full. Say full. That means that I don't give the Lord this bottle of water and he takes a half a drink, you know. Oh, that was good. And he hands it back to me and gives me half a, you know, a half drinking bottle of water. He says, you will actually receive back what you gave in full. But not only that, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. You receive a reward when you bless God's kingdom. It's irrefutable, according to the scriptures. You look at this. Here's a couple more examples. And then we're going to pray. Peter blessed Jesus with a boat. The first time that Jesus ever called Peter, what did he say? Push me out. Can I borrow your boat? Sure. Push me out. And Jesus began to teach from Peter's boat. What was the next thing that happened? Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, throw your nets over the boat. But we've been fishing all night. Hey, what did I say? Throw your nets over the boat. They threw their nets over the boat. It says that so many fish filled their nets that the boat began to sink. What happened? They brought another boat out and they threw their nets over and so many fish filled the nets that that boat began to sink. What was Jesus actually trying to teach Peter? Peter, even if it's a glass of water, there is a, even if it's just letting me borrow your boat for a minute, there is a blessing when you give to the kingdom of life. Hallelujah. The little boy, all he had was a couple loaves of fish. I'm sorry, a couple loaves of fish. How does that work? <laughs> couple fish and a couple loaves. They didn't have enough to feed those thousands of people, but he's, Jesus asked the question, what do we have? Well, there's this little boy. He's got this little lunch that was for him and maybe another person. What did Jesus say? I can imagine Jesus walking up to this boy and saying, holding his hand out and saying, can I have it? Will you give it to me? And he says, okay, you know, sure. And he gives him his lunch. What took place? Jesus fed thousands, multiple thousands. He did it two different times. But here's the key that I want you to see. If you, if you read the end of that story, it says his disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Why 12? 
Because Jesus had 12, I've heard it said Jesus had 12 apostles. Jesus had his 12 disciples and they had 12 baskets of leftovers. What were the leftovers for? I guarantee you, if we follow the pattern of scripture, that little boy, that boy's mama sent him out that day with a couple of fish and a couple of loaves and a little lunch. And then all of a sudden she sees him come marching down the hill with 12 guys carrying these baskets of overflowing leftovers. Because Jesus said anything... Anytime that you bless my kingdom, there's a reward for you. So let me show you 2 Corinthians 9. This is the last thing that we'll read. This wasn't just the ministry of Jesus. Paul taught the church the same thing. And again, I know a lot of you know this. I know a lot of you know this, but this is just good to get your faith in the right place. Because I'm telling you, I've looked around a little bit, and I know sometimes when we go through tests and trials, people get discouraged and weary. Guys, we got you got to intentionally use your faith. Yes. Hallelujah. Don't do things religiously. If you're a tither at this church, don't just tithe religiously. And Okay, we're doing it because that's what you're supposed to do when you're a Christian. Do it expecting the God of His Word will answer according to His Word. Are you all with me? 2 Corinthians 9, 6-13. Remember, Paul said, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Can I tell you how easy it is to honestly give cheerfully when you, when you believe that there's a reward for those that give to His kingdom? When you've seen that reward, it becomes cheerful. Y'all, I can tell you, when I actually first started tithing, it wasn't cheerful. Because I, I, I had never tasted and seen. I'd never seen miracles take place. And honestly, we were at a place in our lives, in our early 20s, you know, barely making like any money at all, having to go to the soup kitchen to get a package of noodles, you know, and, and, and eat some spaghetti, just scraping by, loving the Lord, loving each other. It really didn't make sense. But can I tell you, whenever I begin to see God honor His Word and things just coming back and coming back and overflowing and increasing, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And at the beginning, I thought I can't afford to tithe. And about a year or two into it, I actually began to realize I can't afford not to tithe. Amen. Because I, 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 my life is kind of built on His blessing. And when that blessing's not there, it, it, it's not going to be fun for me. Y'all still with me? So, he says, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Let's see here. Verse 8. And look at this. Here's the promise. God will generously provide all that you need. Say, all that I need. You will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I'm going to release a word from the Lord today. Receive it. If you are a giver to God's kingdom, you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over in Jesus' name. I don't know if you've been stressed about bills. I don't know if you've been stressed about maybe how am I going to make it. You need to stand on God's Word today and tell the devil he's a liar and say, according to God's Word, I am a, con a, a contributor to His kingdom and I shall always have everything that I need. And not only will I have everything that I need, but plenty left over so that I could even share with others. Y'all still with me? 
As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Do you know that when you become a giver, God will actually begin to bring resources into your life because you've proven yourself as a person that will do with it what he tells you? He gives seed to the sower and bread to eat. What does that mean? That God will not only meet your needs, but he'll specifically make sure that money comes into your hand so that you can give to his kingdom. Because there is a work. Can I tell you something? In Luke chapter 8, you can read it for yourself. It says there was a group of people that followed around, that followed Jesus around and contributed from their own resources. They basically funded Jesus and his disciples' ministry. In Luke chapter 8, read the first few verses. I can guarantee you that when those women made that their life's goal for those three years, why am, I on the, why am I on the earth right now? It's to take what God's given me and make sure that this man finishes his ministry. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, the blessing, I mean, just rolled and rolled and reciprocated and came back and came back and came back because God has a work that He wants to do on the earth and He's looking for people that will say yes and allow, and allow Him to use them. He'll give you... Seed for this farmer and bread to eat in the same way he will provide, say provide, and increase your resources. Say increase. Your resources then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Say so that I can always be generous. And you know, people that think, well, God just wants to bless me and bless me and bless me so I can sit high and mighty. You're never a person that God would bless because a true person that God would bless would realize that not everything that he gives them is for them. A true person that God blesses when money comes into their hand, they actually begin to think, Lord, is all of this for me or is some of this for someone else too? It's true. Look at this. Verse 12. So two good things will result. From the ministry of giving. Say ministry of giving. If you feel called to ministry, well, here's you can start right now. You can start in the ministry of giving. Amen. Amen. You can. Every Christian. It's a ministry. And the needs of the believers in I'm sorry. The ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Hallelujah. Why does God want to prosper us? Guys, listen to this. So we can actually meet the needs of other people. And you know what will happen? Whenever you begin to meet the needs of another person and do it in the name of Jesus, not in the name of John or the name of self, but say, let me tell you about my God who is so good, who loves you. And just as He supplied me, He'll supply you. And you meet their needs. It says that they'll give glory to God. Let's say hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a difference between a believer. I'm going to tell you, honestly, seriously, you want to you know a key to something in this time? There's a difference between a believer that says, oh, you know what, brother, I'll pray for you. And a believer that says, I'm not just going to pray for you, opens up their wallet and says, I'm going to be the answer to that prayer in Jesus' name. What's God going to do if we pray? All He's going to do is start looking around for somebody to say yes and then use them to answer the prayer. Amen. Say this, say, I'm going to be 
the answer to a lot of people's prayers. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. As a result of your ministry, they'll give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers. Look at this, guys. Will prove that you are obedient to the good news. You know what, what Paul said? One of the signs of a person who's truly obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ is a person that supplies the needs of other believers. Can I tell you this? You can't supply the needs of other believers if you don't have your own need supplied. So just get permission today. God wants you blessed. God will bless you and then direct you on what you're to do with that blessing in your life. Amen. Ushers, go ahead and come on up to the front. That's something the Lord specifically told me to do this morning. I hope that it stirred your faith. If you're watching online, we'll tell you the ways that you can give this morning. Everybody else, if you're going to give, I want you to just take it. Let's just pray over it before we take it up. Hallelujah. The ways you can give, go ahead and put on the screen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Y'all just, just, if you're joining in this, you can join your faith and let's pray. Lord, you are a God of your word. You said in Numbers 11 that you're not a man that you should lie. Or a man that you should ever change your mind. In fact, your word says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Lord, the same word that you gave, the same keys that Jesus gave people about blessing his kingdom, they still work today in 2021. They are still the keys to our prosperity. They're the keys to our dependence, independence from an antichrist system that wants to suppress people, manipulate people, keep them broke and beat down and dependent upon their hand to feed them. We break that hand in Jesus' name and we declare we're coming out in the mighty name of Jesus. You are our provider. You shall supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. We thank you, Father, that you are able to do more than we could ever ask, think, or even imagine. In the mighty name of Jesus, we decree these things. And everybody who received it said, Amen. Amen. Ushers, go ahead and take it up. Hallelujah. I can tell you guys again, the Lord, he told me to do that. I know we have people that love to hop on our live streams and, and they don't like it. But you know what? When you hear a word from the Lord, you, you, you don't have a choice. Because if I don't do that, he won't do anything else until I do that. I could go on with my service and go on trying to preach and go on trying to do these things. And the Holy Spirit's going to be sitting back saying, no, not happening, buddy. Why? Because the last thing I told you to do, you didn't do it. Go back to it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a blessing coming. If you believe God's word, there's a blessing that's coming. Amen. So we've been in this series called Sustainable Life. You know, I personally designed this and I thought, wow, this is really cool. But some of, some of the people recently are like, did a five-year-old... Make that on Microsoft Paint. And I said, what are you talking about? I thought that was, you know, I made the earth blur in the background. I thought it was cool. I said, you guys couldn't do it, so why don't you just hush? 
But the whole point is, the, the, the Lord's been leading us through a series of, of truths in His Word on how to live a sustainable life. Uh, we've been going through the Scripture where Jesus said in, in Matthew 24, in the last days, many will turn away from Me and betray and hate one another. So one of the signs of the last days is this Christians turning away from the faith. Right? And he's not talking about Muslims and Buddhists and, and, and atheists and, or whatever, you know, looking at the church and persecuting and, and, and hating them. He's talking about people that once belonged to the church. They're going to turn away from their faith and actually begin to persecute the church. You guys, I'm going to tell you right now, you say, well, that would never happen. You know how many churches get up and you guys are murderers if you don't make people take the vaccine. You guys are murderers if you didn't shut down a year ago. And they don't even see the work of the, of the devil's hand happening right in front of them. Dividing the body of Christ. Uh, Paul told Timothy in the last days, people will be led astray by deceptive spirits. They'll follow the teachings of, of demons. And he says they'll actually chase after teachers that will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. So the Bible tells us prophetically that we are going to see a wave, a move of people turning away from the true faith. Romans chapter uh, 2, or I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1 says that they'll trade, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So we've been doing this series on how can you guarantee? What are some things you can do in your life that when that trumpet blows and you stand before Jesus Christ and give an account to Him that you never fell away? That you never burned out? Because a lot of Christians do that. They'll get excited. They'll get on fire for God. And I'll honestly tell you how the cycle really works. Something tragic will happen in their life. What will it do? It'll bring them to their knees and make them cry out to God. Because God is so good and merciful, what will God do? If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He begins to draw near to that person. He begins to bless them. He begins to lift them up. They get free. They get excited. They get on fire. And now they're back on their feet and moving again. And then they forget all about God. And three months down the line or a year down the line, they're not even serving God anymore. They've lost their faith. How can you guarantee that that doesn't happen to you? How can you keep... A relationship with God that not only are you saved, but you're on fire. Because there's a lot of Christians that would say, yeah, I'm saved and I go to church, but they don't feel on fire. They don't feel that first love. I'm on fire for the Lord. It's better this month than it was last month. I'm more on fire now than I was three years ago. That's not the story for most people. The most people, especially elderly people, you can ask them, their greatest moments of revival in their life was 30 years ago and 20 years ago. Can I tell you that's a problem? And it doesn't have to be that way. Because Psalms 1 says, and here's the key. Look at this. I never even thought about this. The first key to living a sustainable life, we said you must make the Bible a part of your everyday life. Christians have to live in their word. Psalms 1, verse 3. Those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. What did he say? You will be like a tree planted by the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season, and your leaves never wither, and you will prosper in all that you do. 
What does that mean? If you'll actually build your life on this Word and, and, and root your life in this Word and put your attention and focus and heart on this Word and, 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 and devote yourself to this Word, the Bible says that you won't have little spurts of revival that are in the past where you were on fire for God once. You will be like a tree planted by the river who bears fruit in each season. Say each season. Whose leaves never wither. Say never wither. And prospers in all that they do. And we've talked about what a lot of Christians do. Most Christians, their, their relationship with God consists of a song that they hear on the radio on the way to work. Man, you know the Lord? Yep, I know the Lord. I, I, I was listening to Corey Asbury on the radio. That's great. Praise God. Wonderful. But can I tell you, a worship song, you can't build your life on a worship song. A worship song did not become flesh. In John 1, the Word became flesh. In Matthew 7, if you build your life on my words, you'll be like a house that's built on the bedrock. What have we seen? Guys, I'm telling you, you may look at me and think, well, this seems like a redundant message. We saw in the last couple of years, the body of Christ as a whole, the second the calamity came, the house just toppled over. What does that tell you? We built something, and it was something, but it wasn't built on the Word of God. Because I want to tell you right now and moving forward, the only things that are going to remain are the things built on the Word of God. And there's a prophetic word in that. The Lord showed me this word a long time ago, that there is a wind of God. There was a prophet that stood up, and he actually released this. It was Kenneth Copeland. And you may say, well, I don't like Kenneth Copeland. Well, he's, the, he's a prophet of the United States of America. God has given him this country. He's a, 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 a leading prophet. He got up and he released this. He just blew. And it was prophetic. People laughed at it. People mocked it. But the Lord showed me when he did that. The Lord showed me literally a wind that was coming through the United States. A wind that was coming. And it represented the Spirit of God. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came into the upper room like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. There was a wind that was coming and the Lord said, everything is going to be shaken. And every person who's not built their life on the Word, they're going to be shaken. They're going to collapse. They're going to topple over. Every business, every organization, every church that's not built on this Word and it's built on the sand, it will collapse. You have to build your life on the Word. Yes. Are you all with me? Yes. But here's the thing. Most Christians don't even know their Word. We try to know Jesus every way south of Tuesday, but by His Word. Are you all with me? Yes. Because did you know statistically the average Christian only goes to church once every five weeks? And I'm not saying this for everybody, but if, you, you know, if a person can't, put their britches on and make it to church. I don't think they're waking up an hour early at four or five o'clock in the morning and diving into the Word of God and living in this Word and starting their day in this Word and meditating on it and rooting their life in this Word. I'm telling you, they're not. And so what, what, what's the result of it? A lot of Christians, they're being deceived. They're being misled. We just read 
in Revelation chapter 13, 16 through 17, that the Antichrist is going to require everyone to be given a mark in their right hand and in their forehead. And without it, you can't buy or sell or trade anything. I'm not telling you that that's happening right now, but there is something very, very similar to that happening right now. And most Christians are blinded. Well, I mean, they're telling me this is a good thing. You know why they believe that? Because they don't know their word. Because if you knew your word, you would look at that and say, hey, hold on a second. What the heck? Shoot, I don't care what kind of white horse it looks like he's riding in on. That's, that's a lying, deceptive spirit. It's the truth. Are y'all with me? You may disagree with me, but I'm not wrong. We've been talking about all these things. If, you, if you've missed the last several weeks, go back and watch them on YouTube and Facebook. This morning, I want to just cover a couple of details, and we're going to go through this for the next week, uh, several weeks. But let's get back to why is the Word of God important? Why is it important that a Christian actually reads their Word? And I'm not just going to tell you to read your Word. We're going to talk about how to read your Word. Because can I just go ahead and tell you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can read your Word all day long, and that's just a religious document. You know the Pharisees? They knew the Bible. You know that they actually had the entire Old Testament. I thought it was only the first five books. No, that was actually the normal standard of, a, of the average Jewish man in those days. To have the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, memorized. The teachers actually had the entire Old Testament memorized. Word for word. That's what they spent their whole lives doing. They didn't go out and fish and do anything. From the time they were kids, they woke up and went to bed, they were trained in the Scriptures. They knew the Bible. They didn't just read the Bible. They knew it. They could quote the book of Genesis from start to beginning to you. Word for word. But yet, when the Word became flesh and was standing right in front of their face, they couldn't even see Him. Because they didn't have a Spirit. So what does that tell you? People can read the Word, and even there's Christians that say, well, I've read this, I know this Word. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't know anything. This is just a book without the Holy Spirit. So not only do you have to read the Word, you have to read the Word with the Spirit of God. I love Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Yeah. A great apostle of faith in the last hundred years. If you've never heard of him, look him up. Uh, mighty, mighty miracles through this man. Raised 20 people through his lifetime in ministry from the dead. 20 people resurrected from the dead. That's accounted for. Amen. Powerful man of God. And he, he made this statement. He said, some people like to read their Bible in the Greek. Some people like to read it in the Hebrew. He said, but I like to read it in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let me give you this point this morning. Why is it important that you read your word? The word of God is how the Holy Spirit will speak to you. One of the biggest problems that I think believers struggle with in life is they don't know how to hear the Spirit's voice. Christians are doing random things. 
If you ask the average person, why do you work? You know, you got a job. Why do you work where you work? They'll tell you. Well, I don't know. Uncle Bucky, when I was 15, offered it to me and it seemed like good pay and I just never left. Great. That's good. Why do you live in the house that you live in? Why do, you do, why do you go to church where you go to church? Why do you do what you do? And people are just kind of randomly in life throwing things up, hoping something sticks. But they don't realize that the Bible teaches us. Just as you've received the Spirit, let Him guide your lives in everything that you do. Did you know this? That the Holy Spirit has a specific path for your life. Do you know that? You don't have to fumble around in the dark. The Bible actually teaches in Proverbs that the path of the wicked is twisted and curves and it's full of briars and it's full of just dips. And, you know, but that's what the, the average Christian identifies with. But the Bible actually says the pathway of the righteous is it's straight. It's not oh, over here and you're on a roller coaster and it's up and down. It's actually a straight path. And so most people are just trying to do random things, hoping something works, crossing their fingers and hoping it works. The Holy Spirit has a specific purpose for your life. The Bible says, God told Jeremiah, before you were ever born, I called you to be a prophet to the nations. What was God telling Jeremiah? Jeremiah, he didn't have the luxury of being a fisherman or an artist or whatever. God was saying, here's this, this thing called life. And right over here, I've actually already carved a specific lane for you. And if you try to do anything outside of that lane, it won't work. It'll be like me trying to walk to the back of this church right, right through the chairs. I'm going to be running over chairs, stumbling, tearing stuff up, messing stuff up. When literally I could just follow the leading of the Spirit and readjust myself and walk down a straight path that God's already prepared for me. And God's prepared a path for you. You don't have to work at a random job. God's got a specific plan and purpose for your life. Are y'all with me? But Christians don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to even find that path. So let me tell you why. It's because they're trying to hear the voice of the Spirit in the wrong way. Can y'all give me about... I see everybody kind of tuning out. I know it's past 12. Can you give me like 10 more minutes? Is that okay? Amen. No, I'm just asking because honestly, like I said, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff. The word scoff means to hold in low regard. So anytime when we're, when we're delivering the word, if people start just like, eh, tuning out, that's, hold, that's holding the Spirit of God in low esteem. And then what happens? Wet blanket. Can we engage for a minute longer? Y'all with me? So, I know this may not be what you're used to, but it's okay. So, people are trying to, they think, I'm going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. What do they do? I'm going to just sit in my closet and I'm going to meditate, right? And then like God's just going to start showing me and speaking to me. They're, they're trying to find the voice in the wrong place. You know, Jesus actually told His disciples that a day was coming that not only would He be with them, He said, I will actually be in you. Say, in me. In me. 
So here's the key. Where does the Holy Spirit live? In you. Now, let's, let's take it further. So now we know the Holy Spirit's in me. But then why are, we li- why are we trying to find the voice of God out here? When it comes to a decision, what do we do? Well, I'm going to run to Aunt Becky and listen to what Aunt Becky says, and I'm going to run over here, and then I'm going to look in the sky and look for a sign in the heaven. That's not where the Holy Spirit is. He lives on the inside of you. And if God, as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, that means God's not going to lead you through these things. He's going to lead you through this. So a lot of people don't, they don't even know how to follow the Spirit because they're just running around, looking all the way up here, and they never learn how to tune in and hear the voice of the Spirit. So let's take it a step further. He's in you, but where is He at in you? See, a lot of people try to live by this, their head, their mind. What makes sense? Well, I just had this thought, right? I just had this, I don't know. Jesus said, if you ask me for a drink, I would give you rivers of living water. The Bible says when he said this, he was speaking of the spirit who is, who is yet to come. From out of your belly, say belly, will flow rivers of living water. So what does that show you? That the spirit's not only in you, he's not in your head, he's here. So if you try to be led by here, you're going to miss it. He's here. In your heart, another Bible, another, you know, from the overflow of the heart. Well, it's not your heart like the actual organ that pumps blood. That's not what the Bible's talking. It's talking about your centermost being. So how do I hear that voice? This is the only point I'm going to give you this morning. And I'm going to give you a couple examples. The word of God is how the spirit will speak to you. Christians don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because they don't live in their word. Now, I'm not in my word for I haven't read my word the last month, the last two months, the last three years until something tragic happened. And now all of a sudden I'm scrambling around trying to figure out what God's trying to do. It doesn't work that way. If you want to be led by the spirit, God's spirit will speak to you through the word. So I'll show you some examples of this. Because we talked about this, but the Bible says the Spirit and the Word are connected. So this isn't a book just like Huckleberry Finn that you just read and you you gain a little story from. As you read from this book, your Spirit is... The Holy Spirit's the one that wrote this book. You're reading it with the author that wrote the book. So what happens is as you're reading... You need to begin to start watching and listening. Things will begin to jump out and not just hit you here. You're like, man, that hit me different. I just read something and that actually hit me right here. The Holy Spirit speaks through His Word. So, I'll give you two points here. Did you know that Jesus received His earthly calling on the earth through the Word of God? Look at Luke chapter 4, 16-21. Have you ever thought about that? How did Jesus know He was Jesus? He was a baby. He was born like a child. You know, He peed, He pooped, He drank His mother's milk. I know we don't like to think about Jesus like that, but He was a human. He he was a human being. At what point 
Did Jesus understand who he was? I am the Messiah. How did, how did that whole process take place? Did one day he was just having a dream and the Lord just showed up to him in a dream? And No. We don't have any account of that in Scripture. But you know what we do have an account of in Scripture? When he was 12 years old, he went and sat in the temple for two days listening to them just read the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures. Read from the prophets. Read from the law. Read from the Old, the, the Old Testament. So let me show you something. Look at Luke 4, 16-21. It says this, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read the Scriptures. Say the Scriptures. The roll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So he literally, he's reading from Isaiah, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Can I tell you how the Lord showed Jesus? How did Jesus know that he was supposed to go cast out devils? How did he know that he was supposed to bring recovery of the sight to the blind? Because it was laid out for him in the scriptures of what the Messiah would do. So as a kid... Or at some point in his life, he's hearing this being read. He's hearing the book of Isaiah being read. And he's seeing it. And the spirit on the inside of him jumped out and grabbed a hold of it and said, that's talking about you. Are y'all with me? So he knew what he was supposed to go from city to city doing because it was laid out for him in the Scripture. Let me give you this, this other point before we close. Paul received his call from the Word of God. So not only did Jesus receive His earthly ministry from the Word of God, Paul received his call from the Word of God. Romans 15, 20-21. And I'm telling you this with a point. Look what Paul said. How did Paul know what he was supposed to do? If you don't know who Paul was, he was the one that brought the, the, the Gospel to the Gentiles, to, to the Roman Empire. And he went from city to city preaching the gospel, building churches, establishing Christianity, preaching about Jesus. How did he know that he was supposed to do that? Romans 15, 21 through, uh, 20 through 21. Look what Paul said. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been preached. Rather, than where churches have already been started by someone else. Look at this. I have been following the plans spoken of in the Scriptures, where it says, say in the Scriptures, those who have never been told about Him will see, and those who have never heard of Him will understand. So Paul quoted Isaiah 52.15 there. So what does that mean? At one point, Paul was reading Isaiah 52.15 that says, those who have never been told about Him will see, and those who have never heard of Him will understand. And the Spirit of God used the Word of God, reached out and grabbed a hold of that verse, and said, Paul, this is what you're supposed to do. And he got the revelation. I'm not supposed to go pastor in Jerusalem where there's already Christianity. I'm supposed to take this message where it's never been heard before. 
The Spirit of God will speak to you through the Word of God. So if you're never in the Word of God, you cannot expect the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you in your life. There's so many people looking for their calling. There's so many people running around trying to figure out what am I called to do? Why do what am I on this earth for? Can I tell you, it's so important that you figure that out. But they're looking for it in the wrong place. God will re- begin to reveal your specific purpose in this life as you begin to hide your life in the Word of God. Are y'all with me? I'm going to believe, I'm going to set my faith that as this week, as you take the word and you begin to read it, the Holy Spirit would begin to do the same thing for you that he did for Jesus and Paul. You would read something and he would just reach out and grab it. And, and you, know, you would have light bulb moments. Oh my gosh, I see something I've never seen before. Hallelujah. Y'all, I want to give you an opportunity. I don't know if this is anyone in the room. Every head bowed. I want to give you an opportunity if you need to receive Christ this morning. I never want to just preach and uh, especially if I, you know, I don't know different people. I want to give you an opportunity. Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Let me give you three calls here. Number one. If you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Number two, if you say, I've received Jesus Christ, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I've fallen away, hard times, whatever you want to say, fell into temptation, sin, and you need to rededicate your life. Or number three, you say, I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I need God's Spirit. Maybe I've been saved, maybe I've been to church, but I've never, I've never had that, that extra thing. I've never had that happen to me before. And I know that I need it. The Lord's speaking to me today, telling me that I need it. If that's anybody, every head bowed and eye closed. I want you to just lift your hand up right where you're at. You need to receive Christ. Rededicate your life. Be filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Alright guys, I want you to pray with me. Everybody's saved. Everybody's baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? amen. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Let's just pray. And we'll release the service. Father, we thank you so much. We give you glory. Lord, I know today I spoke things that came straight from you. So I ask that people, they would take this word and they would begin to just meditate on it, think back to it, and that you would give them revelation by it. You speak to them, Father. Speak to them through this word that you delivered this morning. We thank you, Father, that we're going out of this place in victory. I thank you, Lord, that that mindsets have been broken, that thoughts have been broken, and you've given faith to people that maybe somebody came in here and they heard something that sparked faith on the inside of them. Lord, I thank you that that faith will begin to make things happen and move in their life as they begin to use that faith, that you're speaking to people and touching people. We give you all the glory, Lord, and we love you and praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said... Amen, guys. I love you so much. If you'd like for me to pray for you, I'll be up here. But other than that, you're dismissed. God bless you guys.
Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.